0: All right, guys, in today's episode, what do we cover, Natasha?
1: Oh, we're talking story. We're talking brain health. We're talking how to take care of yourself, business. It's loaded.
0: Okay, I'll give you my synopsis. We talk about how to learn from every mistake that we make, how you can't run five races at the same time and expect to win any of them. (sighs) Natasha's four secrets to succeeding in all business and life. Are you utilizing the hidden team that's in front of your business right now? The secret to your business succeeding is actually unplugging from your business. And you're going to learn how she wrote a business plan while breastfeeding to get a business loan to heal people's brains.
1: We talked
2: about all of that?
0: We did. So now (laughs) it's time for us to shut up and you guys to get into the episode. And because I forgot to do this in the episode, you can find her on instagram at natasha.wilch n-a-t-a-s-h-a dot w-i-l-c-h so that's in your brain Follow her now while you listen and let's cue the intro welcome to the mind of george show this is a free for all friday episode where just about anything can happen I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. And welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show. It is a free-for-all Friday, and today I am joined by an extraordinary human being, uh, one who I respect and value near and dear to my heart. As some of you know, um, I had one too many head injuries which is why i'm intelligent with marketing is what i've convinced myself but i got rattled a couple times with bleeding on my brain and traumatic brain injury and went through the whole spectrum of life waiting for somebody to come help me but i didn't know this person then but i know this person now and this person is an absolute rock star as a human being as a mother as an entrepreneur as a business owner as a healer as a therapist as a I don't even know how to describe the amount of heart passion and care wrapped into one human being so instead of me describing it I'm just gonna welcome Natasha to the show so Natasha welcome
1: thank you so much
0: how do I pronounce your last name Wilch that's what I thought I just feel like you're Canadian so you're special like it was gonna have like some French accent to it
1: the the specialness isn't actually how you say my first name
0: ah which is
1: Americans, every American, says Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. Um, Every Canadian says Natasha.
0: Natasha. Yeah. I can see that. Wow. That one's hard for me to say.
1: I just go by both.
0: (laughs) I almost want to be like Natasha. (laughs) I can't even say it again. Say it how Canadians say it. Natasha. Natasha. So ta. Natasha. Yeah. So Americans say Natasha and Canadians say Natasha. Exactly. Tash, 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 tash. I'm I'm programming it in right now. Okay. (laughs) So here's, and just so everybody knows, uh, Natasha and I know each other. Uh, really well. She is uh, a dear friend. She is in my mastermind. We spent a lot of time conversing, working, and we just had an absolutely amazing time at our virtual event, breaking through some stuff together. But um, she listens to the show, so this first question isn't going to catch her off guard, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, Natasha, as you look back at your business, your career, and and let me give some concepts to this. You have an in-person clinic. You see patients in person. like You have brick and mortar, but you also live online, and you also have digital and you also balance both worlds really well but when you look back at your entire entrepreneurial entire business journey what is the biggest mistake or lesson that you've made and learned and then how do you carry it forward into today
1: well i i literally because i knew this was going to be question number one
0: i thought about (laughs) (laughs)
1: that um And, you know, I am that believer, like, I think all of us, we learn from every mistake we make, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I am this queen of wanting to do everything. Like, I have, my brain never stops in the things I want to do, the services I want to offer, the way I want to help. And I would say my biggest, that I still have to rein in all the time. And there were times where I try to do everything at once. And so like I launched, we did the brick and mortar and then I launched telehealth and then I did a wellness series. And then I tried to do this other thing. Um, and they didn't all pan out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so this
1: realization that I can want to do all these things and I can do them all just not at the same time.
2: Mm.
1: And that is a lesson I'm still continuously, like, because I had ideas that probably would have worked out really great if I had not tried to do them at the same time as the other three things I was doing,
2: Uh
1: um, that those ideas really just kind of crashed and burned, um, to today being like, I still want to do like my list is massive, but recognizing that I want to do each thing really well. Uh Um, and so it's not that flip of, I'm definitely not that person that something needs to be perfect before I launch it. I don't have that issue. Sometimes I have the reverse. It's like, I just want to get it out there, but I haven't thought it out well enough yet mm-hmm. and haven't allotted enough time to make it be successful. So learning to, you can do it all, Natasha, just not at the exact same moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you said something in the <laughs> beginning, which I thought is funny. You're like, oh, we all learn from our mistakes. I'm like, I didn't learn from my mistakes. I didn't make those things like 78 times in a row to even <laughs> oh, realize- Oh, I didn't
1: necessarily learn it the first time.
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, so eventually- <laughs> Eventually, yeah. the mistakes will either kill you or you'll learn from them because one, one of those two things will happen. So I, I love that. And, yeah, it's this actually came up yesterday when I was on a call with somebody about, you know, like we sit here and we're like, okay, I want to be the best in the world at X. But then we spend a lot of our time playing other sports or doing other activities. And then we get upset that we didn't achieve gold in that sport, but yet we gave it our, I just woke out of bed. I'm not even going to warm up kind of effort. And then we get upset about it. And so I'm going to pull that thread a little bit for you because you always have stuff on your plate. Always. Right. Whether you pick pick your lane, whether it's mom, whether it's partner, whether it's business owner, in-person clinic, online, developing software programs, doing your own work, doing all your internal stuff, taking care of your health, taking care of your fitness. Right. Like you're like all the things because I'm going to heal the whole world. And like you are you are. Right. And so now when you look at that, though, as as you bring your awareness to. I can't run five races at the same time. I can only yeah. run one, right? How do you now go about making sure that you give yourself enough space to realize like what you're trying to accomplish? And then how do you prioritize in that to choose where to spend your time and attention?
1: I would say this is, this is a huge piece of where I am right now in my journey mm. um, and what I'm working on at this exact moment. Um, because I am working through a lot of personal processing right now for myself. Um, and I, that is incredibly important to me, um, and knowing and learning even through that own process of how much that of my attention that takes, Mm -hmm. how much, um, almost, I'm going to say recovery Mm -hmm. (laughs) or downtime that takes to truly actually work through that moment and process through that moment instead of just doing something, putting my head down and moving on. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning that giving myself the time, not only for the task or the action, but the afterthought to truly feel the impact of what you're working on and working through is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had this conversation with my business partner yesterday, actually, so I am the sole owner of my brick and mortar business, but I am a partner in my online business. We both have massive goals for both companies and having this discussion with my partner of there's going to be seasons where the focus of growth is on one business. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be this discussion with my partner and I, which we had of there needs to be this, this business can't always be my number one growth focus. Mm-hmm. This business needs to be space where we grow. We do the reflection, we do everything we need to do, but then we need to let this run so that I can shift gears to grow the other business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in the past, I would have tried to do them both at the same time. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's really finding right now, I mean, I have three kids. My son is seven and he BMX races. I know our summers are spent on a lot of BMX tracks. Um, So it's finding – it's A, having really wicked team members, Yep. um, which my clinic, my clinic team is gold. Like they're such an awesome group of people. Um, We are currently building our compass. So Concussion Compass is the online business. We're building that team. So we are surrounding ourselves with awesome people who kick ass at what they do so that I can block off the time I need to block off for each of those things. So I can do those things I want to do those priorities are key. And right now for me, my personal journey that I'm on is one of the top priorities. Mm-hmm. No question. And then my family and then my businesses, because I love everything that I do. But
0: yeah. I love it. So you said you started to make a list and I want to pull out the rest of the list. So number one was having wicked team members. Yes. What's the next one?
1: Um, knowing your priorities. Mm. Um, but not only knowing your priorities, but understanding the time commitment that each of those priorities require. Mm. So when I think of, and I'll use my personal journey, I see a, th- I see a therapist every week. Every Wednesday, I have a therapy appointment. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, <laughs> when i on this journey, I would book everything. I would book a couple appointments before therapy. Then I'd have therapy. I'd give myself like a 30 minute or an hour break. And then I would book more client calls. And because I wanted to do all the stuff. Yep. And I realized the second I realized that like, yeah, I could do that. I can do it. It means that it's not respecting what I truly need for myself and my health. Mm -hmm. It also meant that I wasn't showing up for my clients the way I want to show up. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at that and realized, okay, if I'm going to prioritize my health, this is what that actually requires. So it's knowing your priorities and knowing what that priority entails and requires of your attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, Uh, I love that. I think that that's a really, really big one because, uh, you know, we talk a lot about this. I love the concept of a parking lot, right? Like, here's the thing is entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you're listening to this, your to-do list will never end. Like mine, mine's probably going to get chiseled on my headstone like just like that's how deep mine goes like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of things and and the truth is is even if we complete it we go find more of it right we go look for problems to solve challenges to solve things to tweak how to be more efficient and so I don't talk about this enough and I think it's huge because I have an amazing team that helps with prioritization like we meet every 90 days and they're like all right what are we going to get done this quarter and they're like, all right, George, go through the parking lot. And, of course, I pick everything. I was like, we're doing all of it, all 97 things. And they're like, in three months? And I was like, uh-huh, well, I'll do those and that and that. And then they look at me, and, like, when we're done, we have 12. And then it's funny, though, because we get into the 12, and the 12 seems overwhelming and inundating. Mm-hmm. Because we're actually fully baking out and understanding, like, hey, these are what is actually required for this recipe to be successful. And in the past, and I'm just saying this in case anybody can relate, I was like, you, I'm like, I'm gonna go launch that thing. Well, there's a difference between choosing to go live on Facebook every day and launching three courses and two events at the same time. Um, And that might be what I'm in the middle of right now.
1: (laughs) That sounds a little uh,
0: like today for you. And so, you know, I think another thing too is like also having awareness of when we we have that time and that space to look at what's on our plate and what's in front of us. Prioritization isn't always a matter of like how important is this in the business. You can also look at how much energy is required and then where that energy would get you an output or desirable result or momentum. In either your happiness in the bottom line or in the business. And so like one of the things that I always prioritize are these like content, interviews, podcasts, because there's a lot of times that from a priority standpoint, doing these interviews or, or doing podcasts or doing live videos or doing, um, you know, summits with people don't actually move the needle in the business, but they fill my tank. Mm-hmm. And then I take that energy from filling that tank and then I'm done. And I'm like, all right, cleaning the office, writing that video, scripting this, recording this. And it's like fuel for me. And so I think it's really important to understand like in when you're thinking about prioritization, what you're prioritizing it against. Like you have to fill your own tank. You have to make sure that you're happy and you're aligned to what you want to do. And then that it's aligned to the business, your goals and where you want to spend your time.
2: Yeah. I, I think the it. other
1: thing too that I, that I'd add into that too is, you know, it's having that team is massive but i used to think like and entrepreneurs we've all we're all you're either in this stage you're coming through it or you understand what we're talking about when we say you used to think you had to do it all and you used to think you were alone oh yeah right like we've all been there (laughs) um and for me the second i thought the second i started community like and that caused issues in my marriage in like my friendships because I would not share with anyone where I needed help and I would take all this stuff on. This would probably go back to question one, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would take all this stuff on and I would think I needed to do it all on my own, but I wouldn't communicate with anybody what I was working on. Cause I was like, well, this is my business. They don't, they don't care. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't affect them, but it affected them huge because it affected my attention. It affected the quality of myself that I could bring to my friendships and my relationships with my husband. Um, And it started causing challenges. And so that other thing too for me is having that kick-ass team, but understanding how to communicate and communicating with the people that are close to you in your life that you do care about now. So example, we're going into a launch mode in April and my husband and I had a conversation the other day and I'm like, here's what's happening. Like, here's our goal. Here's what this looks like. I think for my work schedule, like we're sussing it out. And then he's on board. Like he stands beside me. He chews me on because he knows what I'm doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we can share the vision together. Same thing with the mastermind family, right? Like Mm -hmm. being able to have that, that family that I can be like, Hey guys, I'm stuck Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) or here's what I'm working on. Or can I get some feedback or some thoughts? Like having that and having people that you can surround yourself with to communicate with. But that key is that you have to communicate. You have to lean in.
0: Yes. Yeah. And use those things. Yeah. I think, and you and I are very similar in a sense, because I've gotten all that feedback in the past, right? Like I'm like, I'm going to work for my family, for my kids. And then I get home and they're like, you're disconnected, cold, snappy, short, condescending. And yeah. all of it really, when you, when you get down to it for me was all me just not sharing how I felt or what I was up to. So then I was like a ticking time bomb, right? Like ready to explode. So then when they're like, hey, can you make dinner? Which is something I enjoy doing for the family. I'm like, no, I can't. How am I supposed to do? Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) And it's not even like in that moment I was going to do boom, 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 boom. It was just like, hey, I'm holding this dynamite and expecting it not to explode and blow me up from the inside. And so one of the things that I would love to talk about really quickly before we get into your story is, by the way, I have like IP for you over here, like your four secret steps to succeeding. I already wrote them down. (laughs) I'm like like outlining your IP for the end of this episode. (laughs) Just when you want to go coach entrepreneurs and we're done building your concussion clinic encompassed, you know, to billions of dollars. Um, (laughs) But one of the things about team, and you said this, but I want to highlight it a lot. When you said having wicked team members, I think one of the mistakes I made for a long time before I got to here was thinking that team was only people that I paid for to be in my business, not the people that allowed me to go into my business, right? Like my kids are my teammates. My wife is my teammate. Like my therapist and my teammate, right? My fitness coach, my nutritionist, like some of my friends that text me throughout the day that still have no idea what I do are still my teammates because anybody who interfaces with me every single day at some level, has an input support or ability to help shift me or move me and one of the mistakes i made for years was not looking at them as teammates i was trying to compartmentalize or isolate those and so i you said it because you're like my husband and boom and it's like he's not a line item on the pnl right like he's not on salary even though he should be no. for tax breaks but that's a whole different podcast <laughs> um. <laughs> We'll leave that one there. But I, I think that that's really, really important to understand. And um, have you noticed that same thing too? Like when you spend more time with your son at the BMX track and like you get clear, you come back into work. And when you talk to Molly outside of even work and like segmenting that to like, hey, this is what we do together. But also this is how we exist without the work.
1: It's huge. Like I I used to be, and I won't, I won't lie, like I still fall into this trap of you know, head down, grind, work and work and work and work. Wow. <laughs> um, and then you, but then you also feel, or at least I feel like I get stagnant. My ideas stop flowing. I have no, like I have, I have, I never reach that flow state.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: Taking that time to like be at the BMX track with my son is probably one of my most exciting things in the world to do. And then I literally just talk about concussion to a bunch of people as
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: help it. There's like a massive crash and I'm like, oh my God, please tell me you screened him.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, lo- um, I love that. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm the BMX mom now. Got it. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much.
1: I stand on the track and do my thing and watch the corner and do the finish line. But anyways, Um Yeah, like having those moments where I get to be mom, I get to, like, my husband and I, are. we have been very good at, like, setting our date nights for, like, at least twice a month or our date Mm -hmm. days at this, Renee now. Molly and I actually just booked two nights and three days at, like, a cabin up the island so that we can literally have some time to, like, peace out, like, go meditate, go walk on the beach, go just be. Because when you actually shut down from work, when you take that time to be with the people who fuel you in every other way of your life, your ideas of your business explode. And that's when my ideas happen. That is truly when I get out of the like day to day, like that's when the, the, that's when the like, holy crap, like this would be amazing
2: happens.
0: Mm. I love that, so you can really go for romantic long walks on the beach with your business partners as well and build the good now and i I actually it's really, really interesting, right It's like the whole you know you know, fishbowl conversation, container conversation, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. see it when you're on the inside. Right. But we're trying to get perspective of this giant world where we're limiting ourselves into like this one foot container. And, you know, I say it all militaristically, or I was a skydiver forever. Right? and like, we all have to pull our rip cord. And, and eventually what ends up happening is if you isolate, and you do this alone, you'll never pull your own rip cord until it's too late. If you have a good team around you, they'll tell you when to pull your rip cord. Um, Because the inverse of it is that it gets yanked for you and everything loses. And I think one of the things here is that you you can't be effective. Like, name me one, you know, world-class athlete that runs their race 24 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, right? Name me one chef who all they do is cook and never eat, right? You have to Mm -hmm. enjoy and reflect yeah. on the result. You have to taste it. You have to pause and you have to do it. So you got to pull that ripcord and reflect. And so what I would love to hear, because we can unwrap business in this all day, but I would love to kind of hear like how you got here. Like you went from Natasha, Natasha, Natasha. Yes,
2: There
1: you go.
0: Oh, it's, it's really like interesting from a dialectual standpoint of like mm-hmm. just the subtleties and I don't have an, a- do I have an accent?
1: not to me you don't no but then i'll come but then i'll come to the us and people will say like oh i love your accent
0: you don't have a big one either but here's what's interesting i grew up in boston right so like i can go who pock the cod like it's all there but when i joined the military i left boston and went to south carolina then i left south okay. carolina went to california left california went to north carolina left north carolina went to hawaii and so, like, there were parts where, like, I had a Boston accent with a country twang. And then I added the Boston accent country twang and spoke pigeon living. And I'm like, yeah, brada. Like, and then I left Hawaii and came to California. And it just, like, nuked everything out. And then I'm like, I feel like I don't have an accent anymore.
1: I don't, I don't hear an accent when you
0: talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. you know, you want to know how I'm pronouncing your name in my head? Yes. I'm saying stash before I say Natasha
1: that that works
0: because it's like I want to yeah. say like Natasha but it's Ash yeah. it's Natasha so I yeah. just say
1: Natasha. <laughs> yeah. I uh is this helping my brain?
0: Is this helping my brain injuries? It is. It yeah. is a
1: brain challenge. It's hilarious. So I used to compete in West Coast swing dancing and all my competitions were in the US. All the conventions we went to were in the states. Um and so I had a boyfriend at the time and Every, every, I'm not, every American says Natasha. I don't care. Like, I really don't. Um, But the person I was with at the time would constantly correct people. It's Natasha. It's Natasha. He's like, Ta, And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's, 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 it's actually really, it's like, it's almost like a tongue twister for me. And I talk a lot. Like, I'm really good at picking up. And we had another one at our last event. Um, You'll meet uh, one of them, but we have... We had two amazing gentlemen, both of their names are spelled the same. K A R A N. Okay. One of them's Canadian. One yeah. of them is lives in the US. It's Curran and Karan.
1: I would say Quran.
0: You would say Quran. Yeah. So, Curran and Karan. Yeah. And it was like they were both at the event at the same oh my time. Gosh. Right? And so, they a- the same And it's spelt identical and they were both like on my team or us working together. And so like it was – and I was like, who are you talking to? Wait, which one? Did you say the right name with the wrong pronunciation? Was it the wrong pronunciation to the right person? Who am I talking to? Like, And I'm like, that one was probably one of the hardest ones because they're spelt the same and they both preferentially pronounce them different. And I can't stand – not pronouncing somebody's name right because i feel like it's the ultimate form of respect is to be able to hear somebody see them and say their name and so i will be practicing how to say natasha until (laughs) it comes out second nature and then i'm going to figure out now whose name i'm going to mispronounce because my brain keeps saying ash (laughs) your
1: brain keeps flipping the a
0: (laughs) i love it i love it i'm doing brain practice as we speak here so what i would love to hear is kind of like Where'd you start like Western swing dancing, right? Like what was it like in the beginning? What got you into where you are now? What was the shift into brain? Like I would kind of love to hear the evolution.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in like small town, Cranbrook, British Columbia. Cranbrook. Um, and Cranbrook. And my mom was a care aide. So from the get go, I would go with her to work. I would help decorate the, she and she worked in a residential care unit. So old people. Um, so I would go read to the old people. I would help decorate their lounge for thing. I did candy striping. Basically, I always knew I wanted to work in healthcare. I always knew I wanted to help people. That was, that was never a question. Um, and so when I started going to university, I went to the University of British Columbia. My initial thing was I'm going to be a pediatric surgeon. <laughs> mm. That's where I, that's where I started. Um, except then I realized I would have to do biochemistry and organic chemistry in that. <laughs> fairly quickly nixed that plan. Um, when I was a teenager, though, before university, a very close uh, family member had their own brain injury.
2: And mm. that
1: was at a time frame when rehab didn't exist.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, it's like, you gave them Tylenol 3 for their headache, and you sent them on their way, um, because they looked totally normal. Um, the situation was that the person close to me they had issues with impulse like um irritability Mm -hmm. with mood memory was a big issue at the time um they would almost have silent i say silent seizures but they would they would zone out so you'd be in the middle of a conversation and then they just wouldn't be there Mm -hmm. um but nobody could explain this to us no like we didn't know if this was ever gonna get better We didn't know that this was normal after a brain injury and could happen. Like nobody could explain what was happening. Um, And so it took, like, it it was stressful for us and and our family and the friends around us for sure. Um, And I was 17. So I definitely, I was a 17 year old girl that was like, this is bullshit. And like, (laughs) didn't understand at all what was going on. What actually got me into physio was that my cousin was in a motorcycle accident and became Mm. a quadriplegic. And he, I spent a lot of time with them. They were probably some of my favorite cousins and they were a little bit older than me. Um, and when he talked about the people who helped him, it wasn't the doctors, it wasn't the surgeons, it was the therapists. It was the physiotherapists, the occupational therapists, the people that he got to spend this time with in a rehab unit in the rehab hospital that changed him on like that's positive trajectory. And for me, when he shared that, I was in my early 20s and I was at a time in my life where my life had been turned upside down a little bit, or a lot. <laughs> um and I was on this path of trying to figure out who I was going to be and what I was going to do because I had just I had just quit university. Um you know, I had been this straight A honor roll 4.0 GPA person and my world fell apart and I quit and, but I always knew I still at the root, I always knew I wanted to help people and I just needed to figure out how the heck that was going to be and how that was going to happen. So my cousin and his story really inspired me to look at the therapy room. Um, so I went and volunteered for two years at the hospital that he'd gotten treatment at, um, and loved it. And so that started me down the physical, that, that started me down the physical therapy path in general. Um, and then became a physical therapist, worked in the hospital system. Um, My husband is a police officer. So he's Mm -hmm. with the RCMP in Canada. And so we transferred from Vancouver over to Vancouver Island in 2015. And there, I had a four month old son. No one knew who I was. I didn't know anyone in this city whatsoever. We transferred because of my stepchildren. So my two oldest children are my stepchildren.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So we transferred here so we could be part of their lives on a daily basis instead of just coming to visit. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do for work. I was a neurological physical therapist. So when I started, I loved working with strokes and spinal cords and Parkinson's disease. Um, there's something, there was something about being that person to help someone take that first step again, or stand up that just like filled my bucket. Like you couldn't, like, I can't even put words to it. Um, and so when we moved to Nanaimo, which is where I am now, there wasn't a clinic that could like absorb me into their team <laughs> that did what I did. And so it, that literally meant like, okay, well, do I do this on my own? So my son was four months old when we moved and then I had to write a business plan. So I decided I was gonna start Symphony, but I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. So I don't have business training. <laughs> or didn't have Welcome to
0: the all. path of success as an entrepreneur because me neither.
1: <laughs> no, no business training. Um, but literally I'd said, I said, so I had to write this. I needed a startup loan. I needed some equipment. Um, my plan was mobile. So I was literally just going to drive to people's houses and do their therapy in their house to start to suss out the need of this community that I had just moved into. Um, but I needed to write a business plan. And so I said to my husband, I was like, Hudson was a stubborn baby who wouldn't take a bottle. <laughs> Um, and I refuse, I'm that mom that I'm like, I ref- this is going to sound terrible, but I refuse to let my, my feeding infant dictate my schedule.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so my son was on scheduled feedings. Um, obviously if he was hungry, I fed him, but, um, so I said to my husband, I said, I need you to take a block off work. I need eight days to write this business plan. And so literally what we did is I would wake up in the morning, breastfeed my son. I would go to the library write my business plan for three hours, two hours, come home, feed my son, go back to the library, et cetera, et cetera. And I did that for eight days straight.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we got the business plan written and I got the funding (laughs) and then I launched my business. (laughs) Um, And so since then, basically I had had this like timeline that I expected to happen. It was much more accelerated than I anticipated. I started going to people's houses, dragging my bag around, and it was purely that neurological focus still. I carried a massage table, a rolling stool, and a hockey bag, that was my my clinic. Um, And then I opened a brick-and-mortar clinic, and then things kind of exploded, and so what happened and how I actually got more into the concussion world. um, I'm a person who likes puzzles, I like to figure things out, I get really bored when it's the same thing over and over and over again, I just, I don't feel stimulated. Um, and so there was an occupational therapist in town who referred, she had this concussion client who wasn't recovering and her thought process was, well, Natasha's the neurophysio. So concussion is the brain. Let's send her to Natasha. I got the referral and had no idea what I was doing.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and I hate that feeling to be the therapist that someone's coming to, to help them get their life back. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and I'm charging you money (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that doesn't sit well with me. Um, and so like I did this assessment, I like pulled back on, like, went back through my, like my repertoire, um, but I immediately started searching for education and started reading papers and books and I loved every second of it. Um, and that client literally was my kickoff point to diving down the rabbit hole <laughs> of a deeper understanding of the brain and its intricacies and concussion and health in those pieces of, than I ever had before. Um, and I've just kept diving down that rabbit hole since that day and that was six years ago, I think. Mm. Um, and now my clinic, so we've, we grew out grew that space, we grew into a bigger space. <laughs> I'm trying, we're outgrowing this space that we're in now too. So I'm in like this weird transition stage, but, um, we are known for helping people with concussions. I, we do other physiotherapy stuff as well too, but we'll get people that come travel and come work with us. I consult with people around the world and my predominant focus now is that concussion focus, but also just understanding how the brain works to be able to help people in terms of just overall brain health Mm -hmm. and performance and fueling you and optimizing your brain because you can do things today that are going to potentially prevent you from memory issues or um, challenges down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, And so trying to be and help inspire people to be more proactive in their brain health um, and less reactive as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so now when you say you help people with concussions, right, can you give an overview of like what that means? Because I have an undertow to this one and a follow-up question because I have very carnal knowledge of this subject. Um, But like just for everybody, like what does that mean? Like what does that look like when you say like you help people with concussions?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's multifactorial, to be honest. So that can be as it starts as simply as actually educating people about what a concussion is and how it can affect your life like that's step number one the other piece is if you actually sustain a concussion i am going to be your right hand person to move you through that recovery figure out where your deficits are what's happening and help bring you through it and out the other end Mm. what that rehab actually entails is very person specific
0: totally so
1: what where I'm good <laughs> is that I'm really good at identifying and figuring out kind of what's gone wrong. And if I'm not the person specifically who can help you with that issue, I know who to send you to.
0: Mm. Got it, got it. So here's, yeah. my, here's my question. What is a concussion and how does it affect you?
1: Good question. It's, it's um, almost
0: like you teed it up and wanted me to ask it.
1: Right? Yeah, what is it? Um, so So a concussion generally, so it's a mild traumatic brain injury. So Mm -hmm. it is typically typically comes from an acceleration, deceleration where your brain shifts and you get this shearing and twisting of the axons. So an axon is how your nerves communicate with each other within the brain. Mm -hmm. In the brain, it causes what we call a functional disturbance. So what that means is that if you were to go get an MRI or a CT scan, your brain looks normal. Mm. You don't see it. It doesn't show up. Um, Killing some like old school myths really quickly, you do not need to hit your head to get a concussion.
0: Nope. At all.
1: You do not need to lose consciousness to get a concussion. And in fact, like maybe 10% of people with a concussion actually lose consciousness. Um, Symptoms do not show up right away for some people.
2: Mm -hmm. Symptoms
1: evolve over time, can evolve over time. And so what is hard, and you, you obviously, you don't see it. So what's actually happening when you get a concussion is this physiological, biomechanical, metabolic cascade of events within your brain that's affecting its energy supply, its oxygen supply, and how it functions. So it can have widespread effects throughout how you, well, function. So whether it's vision, whether it's headaches, whether it's balance, whether it's dizziness, whether it's mood whether it's your hormones, whether it's cognitive, there's so many different mm-hmm. domains and we can talk about that if you want.
0: Yeah. Go for that. It.
1: the, Yeah. So when we look at the phenotypes or the domains of concussion, you know, you, the old school, shake it off, go back out there. Please don't ever do that. Like don't never, ever. <laughs> you have this period where you sustain a concussion that if you go back and get hit again, um, you could develop second impact syndrome, which is life threatening. Mm. Um, and, I think the other false things we always hear is like once your symptoms recover, you're good. That's not right either. Right. So once your symptoms recover, especially in this acute. So when I talk about acute, it's a fresh concussion. It's just happened. When I talk about persistent, it means it's been four weeks and you're still developed and beyond like two years beyond for some people who are still having concussion symptoms. Um, And so in this acute phase, if your symptoms go away within 10 days is normal for an adult, your brain is still not done recovering or healing. Mm-hmm. You now have between like day 10 and I'm going to say 14, what we call this window of window of vulnerability, where if you were to get hit again, or you go past your exertional demands, you're going to reflare your symptoms or potentially re injure yourself. Um, so for the brain to like truly heal in that acute phase, you're looking at closer to that 21 day window for all that metabolic physiological stuff. Mm. Um, but when we talk about these different domains of concussion, there's so like mood effective. So that's anxiety, depression, emotion, irritability. That's what fits into that window. When you think of physical, you're thinking of, um, or then this can break down into vestibular. So, vestibular is this, it's an apparatus in your inner ear, legit. Basically, it helps you process acceleration, it lets you know where you are in space. It factors into cognition, all those sorts of things. Um, So that's like dizziness, headaches, balance, those sorts of things. Um, Vision can absolutely be affected, but it's not visual clarity. So it's not that twenty twenty vision necessarily, but more the ability for your brain to process the vision, visual information your eyeballs take in, Mm. as well as the ability for your eyes to actually work together to take in your environment. And then it can affect cardiovascular. And by this, I mean more like that autonomic nervous system. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So we have our fight or flight and we have our rest and digest. And there should be this nice balance between these two systems. And what happens with a concussion is they can come uncoupled. And so you live way more in this fight or flight world than you should. Mm. Um, And so that can lead to things like exercise intolerance. So flaring of symptoms with exercise. There's some thought processes right now that this will actually contribute to some of the cognitive intolerance that you can see after concussions. So flaring of symptoms after too much cognitive activity. Um, There's that piece of it. And then there's cognitive symptoms. So memory, word finding, processing issues, not being able to comprehend um, what someone says to you or not being able to have a conversation with someone unless we're literally looking face to face And there's noise going on back here. They can't filter this out. So the ability to pay attention, Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things, these are all domains and things that can be affected with concussion. And usually people feel like, and the story, the stories that break my heart are the ones that to me, when I hear someone's story, I can very clearly see what had happened, but because they didn't have the typical headache or they weren't typically dizzy, it gets missed.
0: Yeah. Wow. And... Yeah. So I got to ask a question about this because here's one of the myths that I lived with for years. And so for those of you that maybe you've never heard me talk about this or maybe this is the first podcast, I had seven consciousness loss concussions in a three-year period. I had bleeding on my brain. I had fluid, like things break through, like it was bad. Um All from the military. I mean, I would literally have a migraine or a quote unquote headache and pass out for two days and not be able to wake up. I would have to lie on the floor darkness. I mean, and I did nerve blocks, stem cells, surgeries. I was on more medications than you can imagine. And no, I mean, it was, it, it was horrendous. Um, and here's the thing: that myth of like you have to get knocked unconscious was shocking to me because that's what it was like in the military, right? It's like we were unconscious. I'm like, yeah. Like how long? I was like, I don't know, like ten minutes. And they're like, all right, fine. Take some ibuprofen. Don't sleep for the next twenty-four hours, and then go back to work. And this all happened in country, in Afghanistan, in Somalia, like everywhere, right? But then I started researching my brain, right? Like after, like I'm I'm one of those people. I'm an anomaly as a veteran. I, I feel like I was just given this itch of like. If it's up to B, it's up to me. And so, like, I dove down these rabbit holes, like, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? And then what was shocking to me is I figured out what could actually cause a concussion. And it was not like I thought it was, right? Like, it wasn't like I had to see stars or I got smashed unconscious. I started studying the effects of shooting one bullet and the micro concussion that can be caused just from the force of that, which is not considered a force. It's no different than a high five but it's Mm -hmm. the positioning of a buttstock of a rifle on the side of your face with all of it happening simultaneously. And I was like, holy moly. So can you dispel like, like maybe even specifically, like how simple it can be to get a concussion?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when people think about concussion, it's either like you said, it's, this has to be this big thing Mm -hmm. or, you know, or it's, I didn't play sports. That's the other one. Oh yeah, yeah. You're not a football player or you're not, you know, so therefore you can't have a concussion. Mm -hmm. Um, I see concussions happen from a fall on the ice where the head doesn't come anywhere near the ground, Mm -hmm. but literally it's that force force that can travel through the body to give any of that, any of the like acceleration, deceleration. And I think the important thing to remember too, so way back when we used to talk about like mild, moderate, severe concussion, and how that could precipitate your outcome. Um, we don't we don't define it that way anymore. Um, it's because that severity doesn't necessarily dictate your recovery. So you could have be someone like you. Or not, not you. But someone who literally like fell on the ice. Had a little like jolt. But because there was that little bit of that whiplash. And you have to factor in pre-existing conditions as well.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: person could have could have a concussion versus you could see someone who had a major fall hit their head and they don't unfortunately we don't truly know what predisposes someone to develop those symptoms or not but we have to look at the person beforehand but anything anything that can cause that acceleration deceleration process could contribute to a concussion Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of research going into now what you're talking about specifically are those sub-concussive blows, Mm -hmm. but the accumulation Mm -hmm. of those sub-concussive blows and what that can do to someone later on in life with developing concussion-like symptoms. Yeah. And that is absolutely what we're seeing in a lot more, I think, especially in my clinic and in this day and age today, is that repetitive sub-concussive and then the presentation of symptoms years later.
0: Yeah, and the reason I ask that, and the reason I say that, is because I'm a, I'm just so everybody knows, I'm on the other side. Like I'm, I would I would I would stand on a pedestal and say I'm healed. Like the way that my brain works, my cognitive function, the way that I can speak, like all my symptoms are gone. I'm not on medication anymore. But I have to be really, really proactive in. How I eat and how I move and how I sleep and I I, ha- I don't take quote-unquote prescription medications, like things that you wouldn't even think about. But what I found is this kind of dissonance that people don't realize how often we're susceptible to brain injuries and how common mm-hmm. – it is, but it's chalked up as like, oh, that's normal, or oh, you just hit your head, or oh, like I even think about like being in the gym, or like getting whiplash, or whipping around so far, like there's, it's not like your brain is encased in, like it's floating, and it mm-hmm. basically moves in this gelatinous ability, I'm not a scientist, right, like I'm gonna give you the layman, like two-color crayon in my box analogy, but really, any, in, in, increased like speed movements and stop and newton law of gravity like it's just smashing up against the side and over and over and i've met so many people that are like i had no idea or i didn't know that could cause it or i've been having this and they're going to like i have chronic migraines i have all of this and then instead yeah. they get the right person and like you're a unicorn there's not many of you in the world <laughs> There's not. And so sometimes it takes massive amounts of pain, massive amounts of traditional medicine and medications, which actually exacerbate the symptoms until you find the unicorn. That's like, Hey, we're going to start right here and go physical first and then get into and like, boom, boom, boom. And so like I say this and this is not a health podcast. This is a human podcast because the amount of people that I see that quote unquote accept, and this was a concept that was taught to me what was my acceptable level of pain? And I was like, zero, bitch. And they're like, no, no, no. But for years, they're like, here's 90 hydrocodone a month. Here's Maxalt. Here's your Imitrex injections. Like, Natasha, if you saw what I had and what I had to do every day and I was given from blood thinners to two Imitrex shots a day to hydrocodone on top of Maxalt for two years of my life, you would literally cringe and those people should go to prison. (laughs) Like neurologists assigning that to me. And I'm like, on what? Like, yeah, this isn't normal, but nobody ever got to the root of it until my wife did. And she's like, you're done. You're done taking this stuff. Cause like I was like a walking zombie. Like I would have to go to my cabinet, take a shot, inject myself in the ass just so I could wake up and function. And then I had to take hydrocodone a 10-325 just to be able to turn the pain down, but then I had to take a blood thinner because of my nightmares that was causing headaches, which would then lower my blood pressure, so then I couldn't walk again, and I have no feeling in my legs from the knee down, plus the head injury and the loss of balance on top of it. I was falling, I, I like, it was bad, and they're like, why are you suicidal? I'm like, uh, um.
1: Uh, so- sorry? <laughs>
0: I don't know which one. <laughs> right. And so I, 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 I say that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: There's like you went through this and the you know what the biggest thing I hear, which every time I hear this, I it's it's why I know what I'm doing, what I I'm doing what I was meant to do. And it's there's so many people across the world that just get that these things happen to her, they show up and what they get told is that this is your new normal.
0: Yeah, like I'm getting this teary-eyed is, right now.
1: Yeah, it's like this is this is what you need to learn to deal with, and it's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> um, because a lot of what people run out of the run out of the knowledge of what to do, and so they give medications to help the symptom. Yeah, or they give something to help the symptom, and that doesn't treat the issue. Mm-mm. So for me, when so most of the stuff I post, I just, I do on Instagram. And so I will get random people that reach out to me that are just like, you have given me hope for the first time in years that this isn't the way I have to live my life. Yeah. And then to be able to connect with that person to say like, I I like, what are you going through? What are you living with? What have you done? What have you tried? And to be able to give them a path. To say this is not how you have to live neuroplasticity our brain's ability to learn and change exists as a gift to us for our entire freaking lives mm-hmm. which means you never have to be satisfied with where you are at this moment if you want to do the work and you want to change and you just you can but you have to find the people who believe that with you and who have that skill to help you understand what the frig it is. You're actually dealing with headaches. There's headaches can come from like a gazillion different reasons as to why you can get a headache.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you come to me and say, I have a headache, I'm going to follow that up with a list of different questions to try to figure out what the root of your headache is. Mm-hmm. Cause I can probably guess it's going to be different than the ones that I get. Mm-hmm. You can't treat them the same, but people try to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest, like, connecting with people to say, like, you can do this. Like, there is hope. This is not the way. If you've been told this is your normal and this is how you have to live, it's bullshit and you don't have to accept that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so getting to connect with people and hearing people say the, you know, like, you've given me hope or I can do this again. Or they, that, seeing people get their lives back is what keeps me going.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I – um. I'm just being quiet for a minute because I, I haven't, I haven't been in that headspace in a minute, like a couple years and it's infuriating. And here's what I'll say. Like I'm, I, <laughs> I don't really think anybody gets into the medical profession out of malice because no, no human being would ever suf- sacrifice that much of their life and that much to do it. And, and what I became a product of was a broken <laughs> system where like standard of care, right? Like, and I'm just going to say this to give the VA, the people in the VA props, not the VA, the Veterans Administration, right? Mm-hmm. But like standard of care is like if you have a GP, like they have maybe 300 patients, right? Like the VA standard of care, I think they said it was like 400 to one. My wow. doctor was 2,700 to one. 2,700. And that's normal. Ooh, wow. Like that's normal. And then seven months to get a neurology appointment or boom, boom, boom. And so like. I was blessed enough that I had this hunger in me to succeed and I made money. But what most people don't know is I personally paid for every ounce of my healing. And what I get struggle and get pissed off about is the veterans that like can't get out of bed or the ones that like can't function that are living on disability that have to wait six, seven, eight, nine, ten months and are pumped full of medications that exacerbate their symptoms because they're a number in a deck. And I don't think the doctors and the nurses want to be that, but it's a broken system from the top down. And so yeah. the one reason I'm saying this to everybody is in my opinion, it's all of our responsibilities to advocate for our own health and brain health. And also for those around us, because what I've noticed now is somebody who's on the other side of it. And this is probably like you, like you'll watch somebody on video and you'll see a tick, you'll see them talk about something, you'll hear a symptom you'll and you're like, Hey, can we talk about this for a minute, right? And I think all of us, like as a community and as a as a world in general, like getting back into that community aspect of like, hey, we're here to help each other, we're here to serve each other. And so, I wanna I wanna shift a little bit. Um, thanks for letting me vent for a minute. Um, I would have gone on like a twenty minute tirade, by the way. I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you interrupted me. Um, so I'm not irritable, but I can tap into that anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, So one of the things that you did say earlier though that I think is really, really important, applicable to anybody who listens to this is you talked about how most of the time what ends up happening with us as our brain is like, in my opinion, we take it for granted like we do oxygen, right? We only focus on it when we can't get it, right? And our brain is like we only focus on it when it stops working. And so what I would love to hear from you and your expert opinion is like, what are the things that people can be doing every day To help their brain, to feed their brain, to love their brain, to sleep their brain, nutrition for their brain. Like, what would be your default? Like, if you had to do these things every day, like, to guarantee that, like, you're healing it, you're increasing its chances of longevity, and you're really being proactive, like, I would love to hear that.
1: Here's the best part is it's going to be things you've all heard before. Yes. Because it's not hard stuff. So truly like the fundamentals to me of like having sustainable brain health is nutrition Um, and particularly nutrition, not like, and I, and I don't want to go into like, not like you don't have to be keto. You don't have to be paleo. You don't have to worry about any of these like specific diets. But it's making smart nutrition choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so particularly, and I'm just going to say like broadly, like anti, more of an anti-inflammatory predominant food diet. I don't care if you intermittent fast. I don't care about all that stuff, really. I do. But um, anti-inflammatory smart nutrition choices is number one. So I will say with a lot of our clients too, especially if headaches and things are part of it, two of your most inflammatory food groups out there are dairy and gluten. Mm-hmm. And like anything processed, right? So as much as you can as a human, just making healthier food choices is going to be one step in the right direction. Um, Hydration, good old water, super important Um, as well. Tying that into nutrition piece. Exercise, everyone's looking for, I find so many people are looking for that magic bullet, right? That one pill that can do something or anything. Your magic bullet is exercise and activity. You look at the research that surrounds improvements in cognitive activity, improvements in attention, helping people with dementia and ADHD. There's all these studies that support exercise as being that thing. Literally, doctors should prescribe exercise on a prescription pad and I think more people would do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally, it's just like, here's your prescription go exercise five times a week, done. And it doesn't have to be intense. Like get out and go for a walk every day. Do a 20 minute jog, get on a recumbent bike, go walk with friends, something like that. So exercise is key. Sleep, oh my gosh, sleep. If you are someone who struggles with sleep, make that a priority to figure out. In our different stages of sleep, we have different things of healing happening. At different, that's when consolidation of learning happens. That's when memories are formed. That's when our neurotransmitters, so the way our nerves communicate with each other, neurotransmitters are replenished in your sleep. That's when tissue regeneration happens. So if you're not getting sleep, that's a huge piece of health that you're missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't love sleeping pills because what sleeping pills will do is they will affect the architecture of your sleep. And so that's why people will sometimes feel groggy when they wake up because they're still not reaching these four stages of sleep that they need to work in and out of and as they go through. So they can be really helpful for like a reset, but working on sleep hygiene, working on consistency, working on your environment and all these different strategies you can use to make sleep a priority. So nutrition, water, exercise, sleep. And then a huge thing too. So I, it's such a, the word, but mindfulness or mindset um, and truly having that stillness and that moment of calm. So you're not living this life. This is everyone's life this day of like running from one thing to the next and not having that good intentional time set for you and your own brain to bring your nervous system down. So when I talked about like with concussion with dysautonomia and living in this sympathetic or parasympathetic state, um, learning happens and, and calm happens in the parasympathetic realm. And if you're constantly dealing with stress and run to things, you're going to be living more in this fight or flight. The power of breath and mindfulness is your direct switch to being able to switch this this nervous system. If you live in a constant state of sympathetic drive or fight or flight, you are asking for health issues later in your life. You're Mm -hmm. opening the invitation for that to happen. Yep. So having a mindful or breath practice, which is your direct switch to that parasympathetic system, should also be a daily part of your practice.
0: Yeah. I. You know, what? one of the things I, I said, nobody listening to this would ever go out into their driveway, start their car, leave it in park, slam the gas pedal, and hold it down for 24 hours a day and expect that their car runs. And that's exactly what happens in your body without yeah. breath, without mindfulness, without the one thing that gives us life, actually, which mm-hmm. is really, really powerful so it's true okay (sighs) (laughs) what book are you reading right now
1: uh right now i'm actually reading atomic habits by james clear
0: yes that's a good one to stack that water nutrition mindset movement boom 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 what's your favorite food
1: pierogies so and dairy and but i love pierogies i don't bring it it back but i love
0: them i have not had a pierogi in like a decade
1: with my mom used to make them from scratch as a kid. Um, and I love them, but pierogies and then caramelize some onions and put that on top too. And
0: Where do pierogies originate from?
1: I, I, the Ukraine, isn't it?
0: I think I want to make a vacation right now because <laughs> I, I, you know what, it's funny. You said that and I was like, I don't think I've ever eaten a homemade pierogi. I've only ever eaten those frozen ones and those ones were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I the was like, ones
1: are even better.
0: I was like, I would go, I remember they were in a blue box. I would, I was about this blue box of pierogies, put them in a pan, add some grass fed butter on top of them, add some caramelized onions. Now, like my mission right now in Montana is going to be to try to find homemade pierogies. There you go. And if you live in Montana, uh, somewhere near the lower Valley, uh, big fork area, and you can make homemade pierogies, I will pay a premium penny premium penny for that that yeah i'm just supporting the local community right now with my fat kid on the inside (laughs) i'm stoked on that one i'm i literally am like dreaming of a pierogi right now
1: you can't uh, you cannot go wrong with a good pierogi
0: that was like the most left field but best answer (laughs) that was a pattern interrupt for me okay cool um most impactful business book you've ever read
1: Oh you know what always comes to mind?
0: I don't. That's why I asked you
1: <laughs> Good um, way to
0: buy time though. Good way to buy right? time.
1: <laughs> the first book that always pops into my head is The Lynchpin.
0: Mm. Yep, I've read that one.
1: Um Yeah, I'm gonna say the Lynchpin.
0: <gasps> okay. And then I this this question, I feel like you live in the one area of the world where you get both, but mountains or beach
1: oh okay so for those that don't know i can literally drive an hour and a half north and get go snowboarding or i could just go another hour and a half and go surfing in the same day so because she
0: lives on vancouver island which was like me living in california but i'm a mountain guy like i'm a mountain lake nature
1: i i like being on the water i hate being in the water yep Um, so I would rather take a mountain and hiking and finding like a hidden gem of a waterfall and sitting on a giant rock, like staring at waterfalls. Yeah. So like mountains, that sort of thing.
0: Got it. Yeah. Cause I'm a scuba diver and I lived in Hawaii and I did not like it. And like, I love scuba diving, but I don't like like being around the ocean. Like I'd rather be by lakes and nature. And it's funny cause I almost sold all my scuba dive scuba gear before we moved to Montana. Found out literally the best freshwater scuba diving in the world is 15 minutes for me. Oh, no way. Yeah. Glacier National Park is 15 minutes away from me. Uh, And you you can go go dive in Glacier National Park, Flathead Lake, like under cavernous stuff. The people can't even go in that lake. You can scuba dive. Like no boats can go in it or anything.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. My husband and my kids are fish. Oh, yeah. My husband and my kids would take a beach and water any day. I am
0: not yeah nope nope okay cool so one final question and you do know this question as well and if you prep for this one then you're good so everybody listening this is the only thing that they remember this is it you have the ability in this moment to tattoo something on their soul it's there forever it's permanent what is the one thing that you would tattoo on everybody's souls that's listening right now
1: Mm, tattoo it so they have it for the rest of their life Um,
0: I don't like easy questions.
1: No, you don't, you know, for me, it's the, it's never give up on yourself Mm. and always have hope. Yeah. Um, and legitimately I say that because of who I work with predominantly Mm -hmm. and, and the struggles I see people go through in my own life is no matter what place you are currently in, there is hope. Mm-hmm. to move forward and come out of it. And so never, never give up on that in whatever it is, whether it's brain health, whether it's mindset, whether it's trauma, whether it's just know there's always hope.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I um, I tanked it and failed at this one at the beginning. So we'll include this in the intro. But where is the best place for everybody to find you?
1: Um, Instagram is probably the best. Yeah, so, what is it? Yeah, so it's at Natasha.Wilch.
0: Natasha. It's yeah. Natasha.Wilch. Natasha. Natasha. W-I-L-C-H. Correct. Natasha is spelled the same as Natasha, just so everybody's understanding. If you're listening to this in the U.S., it's there. Canada, it's there. And then we'll include it in the intro. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing and for everybody listening. Um, Here's something I'll say. The secrets we all look for are in front of us, and they were repeated again here. So take care of yourself. Move, walk, eat right, feed your brain, and make it – your superpower and your supercomputer because it is one of the secrets and you have to take care of yourself and so thank you so much for talking about this and brain health and everything and so everybody go check her out and then I'm gonna wrap the episode so this has been another episode of the Mind of George show what a beautiful one only one angry rant and you learned you learned or you get to watch me learn how to speak again. Um, and I'm still struggling to pronounce the right word the right way, but it's Natasha. And I'm just going to over enunciate it right now until I reprogram it the other way to work on that neuroplasticity, which we covered in the episode. So now it's time to cue the outro, but remember that relationships always beat algorithms. I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. but now it's time for the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show